Welcome to the VA HSRND Investigator Insights podcast series. In this episode, Query Dissemination Coordinator Diane Hanks speaks with HSRND Investigator Dr. Karen Seal. Dr. Seal is Chief of Integrative Health Services at the San Francisco VA Healthcare System. They're discussing her recent randomized control trial, which looks at engaging rural dwelling veterans in VA mental health care treatment. Can you describe your randomized control trial to determine the effectiveness of motivational coaching? So motivational coaching is an adapted version of an actual psychotherapeutic technique that has a very, very large evidence base called motivational interviewing. And motivational interviewing is essentially when you work with somebody in a way that supports positive behavioral change by supporting their confidence, their self-efficacy, and being able to change their behavior, not being judgmental. If they're resistant to behavioral change, you roll with it so you Mm -hmm. don't get into conflicts with them. And you try to get them to think about the behavior, let's say smoking. You try to actually get them for just a little bit of time to say what they like about smoking, anything that's positive about smoking. You don't Mm. want to give too much airtime to what's positive about it. And then you also, with them, you want to assess their overall values and goals for their Mm -hmm. life. You say, well, on the one hand, you say that you you like to smoke because, you know, you get nervous and it's the one thing that calms you down, but Mm -hmm. you also say how much you really love your family and you want to be there for your kids and Mm -hmm. you want to be able to keep up with your grandchildren who are running around and you, you told me earlier that you're having a little trouble with your breathing, that you're getting short of breath. So... On the one hand, you like it, but on the other hand, there are all these life goals that you have, and and it doesn't seem like continuing to smoke is really going to serve your overall mission, aspiration, and purpose in life. It's a lot about listening and Mm -hmm. reflecting back what you're hearing and trying not to do so much talking, counseling, and judging. Motivational coaching is really an adaptive version of that. In the current study that we designed, we designed it with peer veteran coaches Uh in mind. And Uh so we didn't want to have them have to learn this, you know, manualized motivational interviewing technique that's often used, frankly, by psychologists. So what we did was we adapted it for use by a a veteran peer coach. And we did Mm -hmm. do some very loose fidelity monitoring to make sure that they were using principles and techniques that are consistent with motivational interviewing, but did not Mm -hmm. hold them to such a high standard that, for instance, a psychologist might be held to. Can you briefly discuss the types of mental illness the veteran in your cohort had been diagnosed with and whether they indicated reasons for not seeking treatment that went beyond logistics. First of all, we had a total of 272 research participants mm-hmm. in our study, and they had to, in order to be eligible for the study, mm-hmm. they had to screen positive on one of several mental health conditions. For instance, PTSD, depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, and a substance use disorder. Of course, most veterans and most people have more than one mental health condition. So most of our participants actually had two of those mental health conditions. And they also needed to not be in treatment for the 60 days prior to study enrollment in order to be eligible. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these veterans had never been in treatment. Some had been in treatment the year before, but had dropped out. 
and we're mm-hmm. no longer in treatment. Reasons for either not seeking treatment mm-hmm. or dropping out of treatment are myriad. There are a variety of different reasons for that. We were working in this study with rural veterans, and so a lot of the reasons for barriers to care were due to travel, difficulties actually getting to the VA community-based outpatient clinic. Not even the medical center, but even the wow. CBOC was hard to access for many And there were also a lot of, among the rural veterans, I think we heard a lot about, especially among those who had never accessed mental health treatment, a lot of about Mm -hmm. self-sufficiency, wanting to just suck it up, take care of problems themselves, their families would be helpful, churches, community groups would be more helpful, they didn't need to see a mental health professional. A lot of cultural barriers were relevant for the rural veterans. I'm curious, do you see a difference in gender with acceptance of psychotherapy? Well, in our study, um, our study was conducted exclusively in VA, and as you know, VA has mostly male Mm -hmm. veterans as patients, and so while we did try to oversample women in Mm the study, we only had... I think we had at best um, in each arms 20% women. So we weren't actually statistically mm-hmm. powered to see differences between men and women in terms of their engagement in mental health treatment related to whether they received motivational mm-hmm. coaching or not. But in other studies that are out mm-hmm. there, I think women have a higher likelihood of engaging in mental health treatment. What are the findings that you have from your study that you can share at this point? Well, this was a randomized control trial mm-hmm. where we compared veterans receiving mental health assessments and a personalized mental health referral from a veteran peer coach, and then three additional motivational coaching sessions geared around helping them to engage in some sort of mental health care yeah. for their mental health problem that wasn't being addressed versus mental health assessment and a personalized mental health referral, but no motivational coaching in the Mm -hmm. control arm. And what we found was that our primary outcome was engagement in mental health services that were directed by a clinician. So, you know, going to a VA CBOC, community-based outpatient clinic, and seeing a psychologist or a social worker or a psychiatrist or going out in the community and seeing a mental health provider. Mm -hmm. We saw that there was no difference, no statistically significant difference between our intervention that had motivational coaching versus um, our control. Um, But... Um, background rates, um, you know, before we did this study, we certainly looked at the literature and background rates of mental health treatment engagement among rural veterans is quite low. It's around in the low 20s. Okay. So of people who have diagnosed mental health conditions, mm-hmm. about 20% will engage in some form of treatment. In our study, even though there was no difference between the two arms, what we found was that we had over 50% mm-hmm. engagement in, in both of the, of the arms. So at a very minimum, each arm had a veteran peer coach conducting a mental health assessment mm-hmm. and doing a personalized mental health referral at a bare minimum. So wow. somehow, even just having the peer coach ask the questions about mental health symptoms mm-hmm. and then make the referral seemed to make a big difference. What we found was that there were also very high rates 
of engagement in what we call self-care activities in both arms. So veterans reported that they were doing various activities to mitigate their mental health symptoms like Mm -hmm. yoga or gardening or woodworking or Mm -hmm. going to church, for instance, were all interesting self-care activities. And the study was Mm multi-site. It was done in Northern California at four CBOX there and three Mm -hmm. CBOX in rural Louisiana. And what we found is the self-care activities in Northern California were actually very different from the self-care activities in Louisiana. In Louisiana, we got a lot of going to church, getting together for barbecue, going fishing, going hunting. In Northern California, we got going hiking, going biking, gardening. I'm curious, the motivational coach, the peer, how long was the relationship with the veteran for that veteran to feel comfortable in that person being an advocate? That's a really great question. So it actually wasn't that long. Mm. So the intervention with the motivational coach was they had their initial coaching session at baseline, Mm -hmm. so time zero, then two weeks later, at four weeks, and then at eight weeks. So it was a two-month-long intervention with only four contacts. Four contacts. Mm -hmm. Wow. Did the veterans who participate in the research ask to be informed about the results and what they might mean to policy, changes in policy, changes in practice? Or do they not ask about that? And do you think it would make a difference? That's a really interesting question. I think throughout the entire study, only one veteran Mm -hmm. asked to be informed of the results. And um, so we really didn't get a lot of requests for that. We developed an implementation toolkit that we shared with Mm -hmm. our operational partner, the Office of Prevention and Rural Health. We've published three papers on our pre-implementation mm-hmm. phase because a lot of pilot qualitative interviewing mm-hmm. went into this to try to really understand the barriers to engagement among okay. rural veterans and what mental health resources we could curate, essentially, to put on a list so that mm-hmm. our peer coaches could give them that you know information right. that they might find particularly useful. So obviously, these weren't peer specialists, per mm-hmm. se, but obviously the whole idea of peer coaching with regard to assessment of mental health symptoms and making a mental health referral may actually, if we had compared it to just a mental health assessment or mm-hmm. nothing, we might, we might find or some neutral intervention, right. we might have found that that was significantly greater than, than doing nothing, you know, because what we did hear from our veterans um, who did exit interviews who had participated in the motivational coaching intervention Mm -hmm. was they said that the veteran peer coach cared about them they provided good resources Mm -hmm. they were a trusted person that they were less judgmental than the mental health clinician Mm -hmm. that they appreciated that the one thing we didn't talk about this this intervention was delivered all by telephone so they really appreciated the convenience of using the telephone and not having to drive long distances for care yeah. So veterans who, who received the intervention seem to really like mm-hmm. it. And what we did find in terms of our results is our primary outcome, you know, there was really no difference between the, mm-hmm. the, the motivational coaching group and those who didn't receive motivational coaching. But what we did find was that those who received motivational coaching had decreases in three different Mm -hmm. mental health domains. PTSD symptoms decreased, depression symptoms decreased, and use Mm -hmm. of cannabis decreased significantly more than the control arm. 
we had four quality of life indicators that also decreased physical functioning, environmental quality of life, mm-hmm. social and um, mm-hmm. mental health or emotional quality wow. of life. All of those actually improved in the intervention or the motivational mm-hmm. coaching arm compared to the control. And those were both significant, mm-hmm. both the improvements in mental health symptoms and improvement mm-hmm. in quality of life indicators mm-hmm. in the telephone motivational coaching arm by peer, yeah. peer um, coaches. And so sort of what we're left with, that coupled with the qualitative information mm-hmm. we got about how wonderful or how nice it was really to speak to a veteran peer on the mm-hmm. phone, I think what, we're, what we may be seeing is that the rural veterans may have felt like they got their needs taken care of actually by the veteran peer coach which means that they wouldn't necessarily have a need to engage in treatment. So in some ways, our results were paradoxical. We actually designed an intervention that somewhat um, undercut itself because I think the coaches might have made the veterans feel very comfortable and at ease and symptoms decreased over the course of Mm -hmm. their contact on the phone and therefore, why should they engage in mental health services? And some of them may have just needed someone to say, I care, you're important. How important is it to work directly with veterans when conducting research? And what kinds of benefits and challenges come with doing research in VA? There are two different kinds of research Mm -hmm. that a research, a health services researcher can conduct. I'm sure there are more than that, but two main categories. Mm -hmm. One is conducting secondary data analyses on, on data that's already been rolled up in our very large VA national administrative databases so you can just you know apply and mm-hmm. get IRB approval to receive large data sets and you can ask and answer questions using already mm-hmm. rolled up electronic medical record data or you can do what I often do which is um, a lot more work but I also think in many ways a lot more rewarding which is to conduct pragmatic randomized control trials with veteran participants um, there's just nothing more satisfying mm-hmm in a way than being able to offer veterans a, a vehicle for being able to help other veterans and to compensate them for their time and effort in doing that and to really um, go a little deeper and learn more than mm-hmm. we really can just using um, you know, medical yeah. record data. Yeah. So I think it's really important to preserve this kind of research. It is more expensive. It is more time consuming. It is potentially a burden on veteran participants, um, but I think in the end, um, most participants feel that their participation in a trial hopefully is worth it because it is you know, helping other mm-hmm. veterans, if not directly helping them themselves. The views and opinions expressed in the preceding podcast are concerned with the scope of recently concluded or ongoing VA HSRD funded research and do not necessarily reflect current or to be implemented VA policy. To learn more about this research, visit the VA HSRD website at www.hsrd.research.va.gov.